This is Brian Croft. Welcome to Trench Talk, the podcast of practical shepherding. And I am joined in studio once again by Pastor Jim Sebastio. He's the pastor of the Reformed Baptist Church of Louisville. And he is also the president of Practical Shepherding, the, the chairman of the board, if you will. And so, Jim, good to be back with you. What You've been traveling. You just got back from New Zealand. So will you kind of give everybody an update on what you were doing there, how your trip was? Uh, yeah, Brian, thank you. Yeah, I just got back uh, two nights ago um, <clears throat> trying to recuperate from the 18-hour time change and the uh, 24 plus hours of traveling uh, that it requires to uh, to get home from New Zealand. But you know, I had been invited uh, to come to New Zealand by a, a little church called South City Reformed Baptist Church, uh, located in Auckland. And the the pastor there is an Irishman named Alfie Orr, and he's been uh, pastoring in various places in Ireland and in New Zealand for. Uh, over 40 years. Um, and I was invited to come over and to preach at their family camp um, and then uh, to stay on the next Lord's Day. And I preached at their church as well as an, another longstanding church uh, called Emmanuel uh, Baptist Church in uh, northern Auckland. And that was pastored by um, a Chinese brother named David Yon, who's been there again for 40 some years. So, um, uh, I also took uh, some opportunity with my daughter. Uh, my oldest daughter flew down, and um, we spent some time in the South Island and um, able to see the beautiful scenery there and spent some time with hobbits uh, at Hobbiton as well. It's interesting you say she kind of flew down, you know, like she came late to Florida to go to Disney World, but like she <laughs> flew to New Zealand by herself yes, to she meet did. you, and then you went to Hobbitland and all those other things. Yes, that's correct. So, uh, so you're... Are you, you're functioning on? Are you back on your time schedule for Louisville? Are you still on New Zealand time? Because that's a pretty brutal. Yeah, no. Uh, that really as they say, lag. as they say, there no worries, mate. Um, yeah, right. I'm okay. Yeah, uh, I'm all right. <clears throat> so I get invited places. I need a good explanation because we've been friends a long time. Right. I need a good explanation why I am not getting invited to New Zealand <laughs> because I that because I would totally take that kind of invitation if I was given so. Yes, uh, it's it's not what you know, Brian. It's who you know. That, that's so that clear. really is. It's just it's it's relationships and friendships that. It's kind of the reason I'm sitting here with you. I mean, I'm just hoping <laughs> that that's just going to benefit. Uh, so. Maybe I'll mention something to them, and we'll get you down there. Well, on that note, we one of the things we want to talk about. Let me set the stage for the conversation, because there is a a lot of buzz around uh, the conference movement has right. just grown in an amazing way. Uh, it's it certainly has created this the good and the bad of this celebrity pastor right. culture with conference speakers and all those kinds of things. So what we want to talk about today is talking about the conference movement, even what it means to go and speak at some different smaller conferences, uh, as well as the effect of the big ones, and then and then consider how a pastor who preaches regularly at his local church is supposed to sort through this kind of phenomenon. You have all these giant conferences that have started. You have technology that allows anybody just at the click of a link to be able to listen to any pastor, any preacher they want. And you have pastors who are feeling pretty inadequate, who are trying to preach their heart out to this congregation of 50, knowing they can go online and hear somebody that that maybe they want to hear more. So we want to, that's kind of what we want to talk about. But let's first talk about 
this this movement within evangelicals, especially in a lot of the reform world, just all these conferences that have grown to be so large, which has created this celebrity pastor culture. You, there was a smaller conference, obviously, you were doing in New Zealand, but yeah. you have traveled, you have spoken at these different conferences. How do you understand uh, your role in going to these conferences, and how do you prepare, and how, and how do you, is it different even from preaching in your own church? Yeah, Brian, thank you. Let me maybe start by, by simply saying that uh, I, I never sought to have a, a broader outside ministry uh, uh, outside of my own congregation. Um, I, I wanted to, to to preach here, and and best I knew that was all it would it would ever be. And um, because we are in a, a smaller movement uh, of confessional Reformed Baptist churches, we share pulpits, and so there you know some opportunities began to to come to oh, preach at a church in Mississippi or up in Michigan or, or my home church in New York, and and, and those sorts of matters. Uh, I I preached my first conference, really uh, a bigger conference as far as our own little movement went, after probably ten or eleven years uh, of of pastoring, and again that was nothing I I sought after, and I I bring that up just to say that we some of us might need to to crucify that desire to be that guy and uh, to to not be content just to be what God has called us to be, and that is a shepherd to a local flock. That's what God's called us to be. And so one of the problems that can come with, with some men, and I, I've got certain brothers in mind, friends of mine in mind, who have a very broad ministry outside of their own congregation. And you you have to ask the question, are you sacrificing your role as a shepherd in your local congregation for the greater platform of, of the wider conference ministry? And I think what we're going to give an account for is, is not how many conferences we spoke at, how many books we published, uh, how many blogs we, we posted— we're going to give an account for our shepherding mm-hmm. of the flock. And uh, and part of that is our, our private shepherding, and part of that's our public shepherding and teaching and preaching of the Word. That's our calling. And we need to give ourselves, wholly devote ourselves to that calling. And if God should give us a broader ministry and, and more opportunities, then I think we need to be careful that our own flock is not neglected, just as we would want to be careful that our own family is not neglected due to our, our traveling. I think you've had to face that, Brian, and I've had to face that. Yep. We're both fathers and uh, and, and husbands, and uh, your kids are a little bit younger than mine. Mm. But you have to try to balance that out and say, well, how many times a year, for instance, uh, I'm going to be gone and, and thinking in terms of sometimes that means my family can't travel with me, and it also means I'm going to be gone from the flock for X amount of weeks. So I, I've missed the past two Lord's Days here. Mm-hmm. Brian, how did you, uh, how, how, how do you arrive at your conclusions about how often you're going to accept invitations? You get invitations to go elsewhere, <clears throat> and how, how do you decide that? What are the factors that go into your deciding whether those, or not you're going to accept? Yeah, those who know my, don't know my story, I mean, I— as some of these invitations started coming, which again I, I approached the same way as you, Jim. I 
I'm a pastor. I'm a pastor of a local church. That's what I wanted to do. A bit caught off guard when we started to get some of these opportunities. And I got lost in it. I mean, and it was Mm. and it was a struggle with um, just some issues of identity. And I ended up crushing my family with the schedule I had set for a few years. As you know, and, and some of you listening know my story with this. And so there was a season where I just said no to everything, trying to right. get a handle on it. And I'm grateful I have a wife that doesn't just sit back and not say anything. Right. And she, and she um, had to press me. And unfortunately, I didn't listen well at the beginning. And God, by His grace, got my attention in some different ways through her. So it was... Now I'm having to try to really pick and choose the things that I would do, trying to find the balance in what you're talking about. And I think it's important that these other things that God opens up are are good opportunities, but we still have to remember we're we're still to be pastors of a local church. That's our primary calling. And even this podcast and practical shepherding and all those things has to has to take a a backseat to my true calling and what that you and I will answer for. And every pastor listening to this is gonna is going to answer for the flock that they that they care for. So but for those who are listening and trying to maybe sort through uh, uh, some of these opportunities and you know getting getting caught up in the deception of somehow this makes me more valuable because I might get an invitation uh, when you go to do these things how do you prepare for them and how is it different from the local church ministry of preaching that you normally have yeah there there are certain points that are that are similar and then other points that that aren't so the, the similarity is that you are bringing you're bringing the word i mean that's what that's what we try to do and strive to do to our to our own flock uh, what changes is the dynamic of congregation to congregation what a particular congregation is going through and and has been through that separates kind of the more generic conference ministry which really has to become almost a one-size-fits-all yeah. uh, type ministry it's it's not generally it's not custom ministry uh, in the way that pastoral ministry is and maybe we we can unpack that uh, yeah. just a little bit very often my conference ministry is bringing something a series that i've brought here so for instance in new zealand uh, i preached uh, on the doctrine of assurance and so those, I, I went through some of the messages that I had brought here, and I tried to think through, all right, what are the, how many opportunities do I have? What are the things that I believe are most urgent to be said? And you realize you're, you're coming into a context where there's not a context. You don't have a context. You don't have years of ministry. You don't have years of interaction and fellowship and relationship with these people that makes conference ministry different than pastoral ministry. So you have to be, I think in a sense, very clear, very precise in in what you're saying, what you're not saying. You can't just assume a backlog of a thousand other sermons on justification by faith, for instance, as you're going to focus on fruits in your life that demonstrate the reality of your conversion. So you have to ensure that in, in talking about fruit issues that you're not neglecting root issues. I think you understand what I'm, I'm mm-hmm. getting at with that, that when you, when you preach to your own people, you have the context of their lives, of your own life and your own interaction, what you've been through. Uh, let me give it, let me give an example of that. Um, 
some years ago, uh, 23 years ago, my wife and I lost our first son. And a year, almost exactly a year after he died, he died as, as uh, in birth as, a, as an infant, uh, almost exactly a year after that, I was preaching through Second Samuel hmm. and got to that part when David loses his baby. Hmm. There wasn't uh, a dry eye in the congregation because <clears throat> everybody there knew what we'd been through. Hmm. Um, had I preached that somewhere else and people didn't know you, hadn't hmm. wept with you, hadn't seen that little casket and, and all of the rest... It carries a, a whole different... Con- that's your life context. Mm. Uh, when uh, a pastor preaches on husbands, love your wives, and you've been in that congregation for 20, 25 years, and they've watched your marriage, they've been in your home, your words carry a context. And when mm. they know your kids, and you mm. preach on fathers interacting with their sons and with their daughters, and they, they know your life, that's different. In a conference ministry, you might be able to get away with things that you can't get away with in your in your own congregation. Uh, you're going to talk to somebody about being patient and about being a loving shepherd, and people in your congregation might roll their eyes. Like, who does? Mm-hmm. You know, well, if they knew him, like I know him, you know that sort of a thing. You can have a different persona. At least there's that there is that possibility, and there's that danger uh, with a conference ministry that you can't get away with. Yeah, if you have an open life in your own congregation, that's a great example. Of what you told in your about your in your own life, and it's amazing how much this is part of the draw of guys who are maybe wanting to do this kind of broader conference type ministry versus getting really into the, the, the just the grime of pastoral ministry because you can you can jump you can show up you can preach one of your best sermons right you can bail before they get a chance to realize what a wreck you are but your congregation (laughs) knows what a wreck you are right well they right they know your humanity they they know your faults and your blots and your blemishes and you know theirs And, and and that's another thing is that we talked a little bit before we we started here uh on this and it's it's the difference between a chef and maybe even a high-end chef and i think about this with certain conference ministries so you take a Wolfgang Puck or somebody like that, and, and he has a recipe that he follows, and, and he's going to cook that perfect meal. But he doesn't stay up at night the night before wondering if, if this is going to make that person well or, or happy, if it's going to minister to their bodily needs. Uh, he's after his rating, you know, that, that sort of a, a thing. And that's the difference between that and a and a mom who's cooking for her family. And she's thinking about, what they need, what they love. Uh, she's thinking about their health, their their vibrancy, their well-being, and all of that goes into their cooking. And you, when you're pastorally preaching, you, you might stay up at night the night before because you're thinking about the lady in your church whose son has brain cancer or the woman whose husband has just left or the young man who's battling with pornography or the young woman who's battling with anorexia or something like that that you know that they're going through this couple just broke up these two people are having struggles and you're going to be bringing that word to that situation and you've got specific people on your heart and in your mind and you carry them with you in your study you carry them with you in your in your prayer time and you're asking God to bless again not that word just generically 
because you recognize God's word's powerful. No matter what you preach and who you preach it to, it's got it is powerful. It can save, transform, sanctify. Mm-hmm. But you don't really know those folks, and and you're not investing in. In, in their life, and they're not invested as invested in, in your life. And again, sometimes there's a benefit to that because you can come in quickly and, 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 and do that work and maybe sometimes say those things that would be hard for the pastor to say, mm-hmm. and you can get out of Dodge, as it were, yeah. uh, versus the uh, laying that foundation of, of, of over years and years and years of, of these are people you know, these are people you love, these are people you care for. So I think, again, those are some of the great differences. And I think you've articulated well. Well, I, I do enjoy the different smaller opportunities that, that come my way. I enjoy the most what you just described, though. I I preach to less than 100 people every Sunday morning, mm-hmm. about 90 pup folks usually there. Yeah. And it's still my favorite place. It's the most meaningful right. place to preach because preaching is so meaningful when you can when you can kind of deliver spoon feed the word to people in the way that at least your best estimations is going to reach them individually in in particular ways when you go and just whether it's going to a conference or just to go you know maybe you trade a pulpit with another guy in town you're you're getting to you're at the risk of convincing yourself you can come in and put off this certain persona and leave, but there's just less meaning in that because you're not doing life with people in the midst of the preaching ministry. Right. And I, let me just touch on this one area, be, uh, another aspect, and it's kind of the reverse of what I said a moment ago, is that when you go to when you go to a congregation, they may view you as the ideal preacher, but you might also view them as the ideal congregation. Right. Uh, when I go preach at, at your congregation, I, I generally I don't have a bunch of people coming up and pouring out their troubles or their their you know problems and complaints to me, you know, uh, I don't have to deal with them. They're, they put on their best in a sense, or, and I think, boy, you've got great people, Brian. Why do you have any problems? Or you could come here and think, Jim, man, you've got, you live in paradise. These are the I sweetest. love to preach here, Jim, just so you know, because right. they never come and bring their complaints to me at all. I, I just send them back to you. And so, right, somebody could say, oh, I wish I could pastor that congregation because that congregation doesn't have any problems. Of course they've got problems. Or the, or the congregation thinks, well, that pastor, boy, Pastor Jim came in or Pastor Brian came in. He was so loving and so attentive, and he had just the right word for me. And, you know, and it wasn't at all like my pastor, whose sermons are sometimes boring or seeming irrelevant or yep. Yep. they're, they're too, too whatever it is that uh, some people who can grow a bit weary of us after a time. Yeah, and I, and I appreciate what you're, what you're saying. If you're, and if you're a pastor listening to this, and you have, you maybe have a few opportunities. You know, you go preach in somebody else's pulpit, or somebody invited you to do a, a revival, or you have a wedding or a funeral, even where it's not going to be the regular weekly ministry that you have. Those are good opportunities that God opens up. But be aware of the how you can deceive yourself in the midst of taking these opportunities to think that this is kind of where the grass is greener. Right. And I want to encourage you that the most God's design. The most meaningful place to preach is your own congregation who knows your your good traits and your bad traits. Right. And you know theirs, and you're trying to wrestle through life together. Those are the best places, the most meaningful places to preach. And I want to encourage you to see that in your own congregation and realize that they need to come to learn that about you. So they may listen to John Piper online, or they, and they may go to T4G, but, you know, 
keep pouring into them because the particular way you can feed them is what brings them to realize that you are the most significant preacher in their life, not the guy on the internet, and to take encouragement with that. Right, and you you may well have some people in your church who just love to listen to other preachers, and I've got one lady in the church who calls herself a, a preaching junkie, and she particularly likes um, uh, preachers with Irish accents, Scottish accents, and English accents. What is which, what is that, by the way? I, I, every guy oh, with a can... Scottish accent shows up in America and has a leg up on every single one of us, and that is so unfair, just so you know. Right. A man can tell a completely irrelevant story. So he can go to say, you know, uh, the Lord is my shepherd. It reminds me of my wee home on the hills. In this little sheep that would dot the landscape, there with the wee heather, and people would be weeping. And you say, "What did he say? He didn't actually say anything." They can't but... tell you. They just can't. Matter of <laughs> fact, I I Skype a few friends in Scotland just because I I used to have a guy from Scotland in our church, and I just regularly talked to him on purpose. <laughs> I, I just needed that. We can't help. So unfair. It is a, the way it is. Right. I, I can't change yes, it. Your, your nasal, you, you whatever you know, for me, and uh, <laughs> it's just the way it is. Um. Does that hurt it, your it, feelings when this lady tells you she oh, listens to other preachers? Sure, sometimes, <laughs> yeah, because you, you realize yeah, you'll never be able to, to do what they do. My favorite preacher is an Irishman. And I realize that actually part of the delight of hearing him is, is how he says what he says. Now, I will say it is what he says that makes him my favorite. But there is a delight that comes to the ear and to the mind with how a man like that. And, and I have to realize I can't, I'll never be able to do that unless I fake an accent. Uh, I, I won't. Scottish wasn't bad. Just That's okay. Ago, yeah. Just so you know, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Well, anyway, I could go on and on about that, but you, you, but you have to realize that whether they always recognize it or not, uh, you do have an accountability to them and you have a responsibility to them that, the, the man in Scotland doesn't have. He doesn't actually know them. And, and it's not that he doesn't care. It's just that he doesn't know who they are. And they're not going to call him at two in the morning when they have a, a crisis. Um, now, again, I think in every congregation, you're going to have somebody who spends you know, eight hours a week or 10 hours a week listening to Piper or MacArthur or Sproul or Platt or Kevin DeYoung or, you know, whoever it is, the the big guys who are going to speak at the big conferences. And there's a reason why they're the big guys who speak at the big conferences. And That's there's true. a reason why there's about 20 of them. That's right. There's about 20 guys on the whole planet who speak at these conferences. And they just, they're the interchangeable guys um, with a, a few minor exceptions. And maybe somebody is able to, to break in or, yeah. or something like that. But they're, you know, it's like the Justice League. So you're always going to have Batman and Superman and Flash and Green Lantern, you know. So Mark Dever and Al Mohler and you know th- those are the those are those guys, and they have extraordinary gifts. Yeah, they're extraordinary gifts, uh, and that's the reason why hundreds of people come out to hear them preach, and why thousands will come uh, at, at a conference. And you just have to recognize and realize. That's extraordinary, and, and and this is this is ordinary, and for the most part, your your people, if you will love them and serve them and preach to them week in week in week out, be faithful to them, and demonstrate a heart of love for them, 
they will ultimately prefer your ministry. I mean, there there are people in my congregation who would probably, you know, might swear in court that I'm a better preacher than so and so, and I'm not. I, I know, I know, I'm not. You know, and by any objective standard, I'm not what they are. Mm. But I'm the guy who was with them in the hospital. Uh, I'm the guy who married them. I'm the guy who you know who held their babies and prayed for them. I'm the guy who, in a moment of crisis, brought a particular word um, that was custom-made uh, for a suffering congregation or struggling congregation. And, you, and that's what you are, you know, for your people. You're their pastor. You're the one who's going to walk through the door. You're the one that whose name is on speed dial or, or whatever it is. Well, and, this, uh, and this is what Baxter speaks to when he, when he talks about when people, you know, asked him why he went house to house. One of the reasons— because he knew it and enhanced his preaching ministry exactly. in the church with the one-on-one, the just the relation, relational collateral that he had with with these people. You know, I think about I'm thinking about one of the reasons I love preaching in my own church so much, and that's because that's different than just going somewhere once and preaching and leaving. Is that you for the first few years in my church? I mean, I preached to scowls in right. a lot of ways, right? So I, I think of that every time I stand up to preach there yeah. when I don't. And it's a completely different experience. Right. And there's something special about that every week that, that I, I'm never it's never lost on me. And I don't get that same kind of satisfaction regardless on what I might go do outside of the church. So if you're a pastor listening to this, you struggle, one, with preaching your own congregation week in and week out. And you're wondering if you make a difference. You wonder, you, you even, you, you you feel inadequate because maybe the guy down the road is getting asked to do more things than you right. outside of your church. You know, God is not impressed by any of this. And remember that he's given every person a different stewardship. But to remember that that God is for you. He's called you to where you are. Keep preaching your heart out in that place. And your people, Jim's right, your people will grow to to love you and want you to preach more than anybody else that they might hear on the internet. Right. And that's the well done, good and faithful servant is the, that you'll receive and that we long to receive from the Lord. It's that faithfulness and the grind of week in, week out, uh, exposition, illustration, application, uh, to the same folk, uh, preach, hearing the same voice, uh, all, all those years. And again, we can despise that sometimes, and what I mean by that is think, is think less of that and think that we're really not doing anything. And sometimes our folks may go through a time when they when they maybe seemingly despise that as well, and and uh, somebody else uh, is is all the rage, or you know, and, and you try to compare yourself to them, you're going to you're going to fail miserably. And again, what our goal is not to compare ourselves to them. Our, our goal is to strive to be faithful to what God's called us to do in the faithful and the small things week by week. Yeah, so as we bring this episode to a close, I want to uh, pray for uh, specific pastors that are listening to this uh, that that may be have been discouraged about this particular issue. And I want to pray and ask God that he would give you grace and remind you of what you're doing matters and that God has has made you a steward of that congregation that you're preaching to and that that you'll be faithful to do that and and know that that's enough right. that your preaching ministry matters in that place you're in regardless of how many people are, are there 
So let me take a minute and pray for you in particular as we close this time. Lord, would you be with these different men who are listening to this, who have been discouraged because uh, they know they're not the best preacher in the world and they're not getting calls for all these big conferences to come. And somehow they feel inadequate in their calling in that. Lord, would you remind them that you have gifted them and called them to the exact place they are for the for specific kingdom-building purposes you have for them. Lord, remind them of that. Remind them that you have gifted them and they are sufficient in their gifts to do and to preach and to care for those people that they care for because you've provided that and that your spirit is at work through your word as they preach. So Lord, empower them to be satisfied with where you have them, the gifts you've given them. And Lord, would you work to help us all grow as preachers, knowing we never arrive in this. And we pray this in Christ's name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for listening to Trench Talk. We'd love to hear your feedback or any questions you might have for us. So to get in touch with us, you can email us at brian at practicalshepherding.com or you can contact us through Facebook or Twitter. You can find out more about Practical Shepherding at our website. And at the website, you can find our blog, and you can also find information about articles and books that we've published. You can also find out information about our regional workshops, where we engage pastors face-to-face to equip them for the trench work of ministry. So until next time, may the God of peace, the great shepherd of the sheep, equip you as you labor in the trenches of pastoral ministry.